Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Coming up on Therapy. I was a very thin girl. I mean, I graduated college, I think at 97 pounds. I never tried. I never thought about it. I was just like, I'll never, you know, I'll never gain weight. Well, last year I was at my heaviest. I was over 200 pounds, which is very hard to even say, but I never really noticed until I saw myself on TV as a skinny person then gaining weight, you start getting treated like you are that that person. My whole journey started with mindset. Hey, senorita, really nice to meet you. I was always calculating calories and macros. And when I just calmed the F down, I found my physical ideal. Am I addicted to moderate drinking? You're very subtly admitting powerlessness and unmanageability right here alive. And I'm proud of you. That's beautiful. Did you struggle with actual eating disorders? Anorexia and bulimia. Um, Wow, thank you for saying that. Katie Couric. Nothing screws up a kid more than having a parent on top of that kid all the time. Kenya Moore. Before I take a shower, I would always step on scale. And I saw my daughter starting to do that. Like she doesn't know how to even read the numbers, but she saw me doing it. Actress Melissa Joan Hart. I remember the first time I was told I could be a movie star if I lost 10 pounds when I weighed 103. Pinky Cole, were you high when you came up with the name? I was very high. (laughs) This is Therapy. This week on Therapy, it's Courtney Murray, three-time entrepreneur, author, keynote speaker, educator, and the founder of Coastal Capital. She is passionate about helping women navigate finance, lending, and building their own businesses. Something I know jack shit about, and that is why Courtney is here today. Because we don't learn this in school. We learn a lot of shit that we never end up needing. I'm going to talk to her about why she thinks that is. This episode is for all entrepreneurs trying to get their finances in order and level up. She also had a recent 40 pound weight loss that I'm definitely going to ask about. Please do me a favor and hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this episode. That way you'll get an alert every time a new Squats and Margaritas drops. Here is my episode with Courtney Murray. We met on Pinky Cole's American Sesh in February. I'm not sure how much we're allowed. I know we signed NDAs about that, but... It's a collaborative situation where celebrities and regular people like me get in a room and create and build. It was amazing. Yes. yes. And we probably can't say that much. And I'm also a normal person. Oh, so, no, <laughs> the, no. The, 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 she was in there yep. first. She was a celebrity. She's lying. <laughs> <laughs> it was so great. It was, it was, it was a fun event. And the people that we were able to collaborate with and meet have been just an excess tool in you know, growth. It's been awesome. And I love that we kept in touch. I just, your humor and everything that you've done. I just, I respect it so much, Aaron. I love it. Uh, same. And I know nothing about finance and let's just start there. Why the hell are we not taught finance? Like we are taught Pythagorean theorem and hypotenuse in school. I sure as hell use that a lot, but everyone could use finance and we're not taught that. Right. 
1958 is really when they started a credit algorithm. And you think about even when grocery stores came about, like people didn't understand, you know, healthy food and non-healthy food because grocery stores were new even to our families when they were, you know, our parents and their younger years. So you think about finance, people really, they were at a gold standard. And then we went to a different type of standard with our finance industry and people started borrowing, taking from Peter to pay Paul. And that's why I think it was an undereducated. It was a tool to help people grow, but it was then overutilized. And so um, I think that it's just so young still, 70 plus years isn't that long. And I don't think schools took advantage of it at this point. They didn't. And we're going to get into the finance, but you're actually a three-time entrepreneur. And I talked to a lot of mompreneurs and I went your whole story. Let's take it back to little Courtney and your inspiration. You grew up in a Lebanese culture that was very male dominated. Did that inspire you to kind of set the course that you were going to have your own business? My father was, uh, um, he was an attorney. He had his own business and he Um, he was, you know, my hero as we were growing up. So I always beat to a different drum and, um, I always wanted to be the queen of my castle. He, he always said, I'm the king of my castle. And, um, he taught us great work ethic from a young age because we were taught from my father and his, you know, family that came over from another country that you can be here to, I mean, you can see a road that's not paved and you're here to pave it instead of having that road paved for you. So we were taught at a young age um, to build what we were able to build. And uh, we came from a family that we didn't starve for anything. My parents paid for our education. We were very healthy with, you know, finances. My parents always took care of things, but they taught us I mean, my first job was McDonald's, so, <laughs> you know, at 16 years old, you're feeling really great about this job or whatever, but you know, you, you start from your habitual. And you started out in sales with heavy equipment, which I cannot even picture you in that field. <laughs> doesn't seem right. Yeah. So that was pretty funny. I moved um, after college. I, I wanted to get out of Michigan. It was freezing. So I moved to Atlanta actually, and started selling cars. I can see that. I can see you killing that. Yeah. Yeah. And so from there, I met um, someone who was high up in uh, heavy equipment and had an opportunity to move out to California and said, there's so much to do. It's it's very similar to car sales. Sales is sales, right? And so I ended up um, selling heavy equipment in California. It educated me to get where I am today. What would you say you learned from that era of selling heavy equipment? really to generate ROI in business. So selling a car, you're not generating ROI unless you're doing Uber or something these days, right? But in in a heavy equipment or con, uh, construction field, you are looking for a piece of equipment that's going to generate income. So knowing what type of income they would generate and understanding how the business functioned um, with their payment really became something that I was, I was uneducated on. That was really a, a turning point in my life. And talk about turning points and pivots. You go from selling heavy equipment to owning a clothing boutique. Um, I wanted you to share the story of that unique way that you acquired said clothing boutique. So I was doing door-to-door sales that day. And I went into a clothing boutique. And I've always wanted to own a clothing store. In seventh grade, I signed up for shop class because I thought I was going to learn how to use credit cards. So, (laughs) but... um, Uh, that shop class is woodworking. I had no idea. So my mom had to, you know, laugh quite a bit at that, but I've always loved clothing. I loved fashion forever my whole life. 
And sales was something I was taught that could create an income to provide for the clothing I liked. And this is, you know, I'm 20 years old. I want to buy <laughs> nice shoes and nice clothes. That's something I always loved. And so walking into this girl's store, she was nine months pregnant and she was sweating. It was summer. It was California. And she said, I said, I love this. You're a clothing store owner. How amazing. How did you get into it? I would love to have my own store. And she's like, do you want to buy my store? I'm so <laughs> hot and pregnant. I'm over it. I thought, yeah, but I don't know how to run a cash register and I have no idea where to go shopping, but I will buy your store. So I scrounged up enough capital to um, purchase the store from her, but I had no idea where to go shopping. I, I started uh, at TJ Maxx and started marking clothing up because I had to learn the, learn the ways. So, you know, you become innovative. Yeah. Chaos by Courtney was born. And I know from that experience, you said that taught you that you needed to be more well-versed in finance. Like running that boutique was like showing you that you, you didn't have that part, which I still don't have that part. Yeah. So that's what I am so passionate about now. And my story is always called chaos to capital because my, I'm in a capital company now. Um, but what it taught me is how to protect yourself as a business entrepreneur, because I was a sole proprietorship. So I commingled my personal credit with my business because I didn't know that there was a different way. I was taught from a young age, cash is king. If you don't have cash, don't buy the asset or whatnot. So my father never believed in you know borrowing money, but having a clothing store, you have to have, he, he was an attorney and I learned from that. I had a clothing store, I had to have merchandise cash register, a sign outside that costs, you know, quite a bit of money. And there's assets in the business that do generate ROI, but there's also business credit that needs to be established. And when you don't protect yourself under an LLC or an S corporation, you're putting everything on your personal credit. And so after three years, my clothing store, uh, it was, it failed and it was because of undercapitalization. So we had a lot of fires in California. And when the smoke damage came under the door of my shop. It damaged all the clothing. And I was, I had to shut down. We're a small business for over two weeks. You can't wash brand new clothing and then resell them. It would be resale. And so I lost all of those, you know, all of those assets for my business. And I didn't have the capital. I mean, we were, I was running hand to mouth. I had one employee. Um, I was, you know, let's sell some clothes and then I'll go shopping and re-merchandise the store. And so when I had to shut the business, I shut down my own personal credit. I had to, I mean, I, I had to do a lot to get back to where I am today. And so the things I learned through that was, why didn't anyone teach me business finance? Why didn't people teach that a federal tax ID number has the same numbers, uh, same nine, nine digits that we have in our social and that you could utilize that to start building business credit and not commingle yourself. There's ways to scale a business that are so important that no one understands when they get in, mostly in the young, you know, when you're really young and you're and you're starting off, uh, you would be amazed at the at the things that you're not taught. And then you see the people who are the older generation who have well-established businesses that still didn't understand business credit and they hit a cap before they could scale. So that was an important part of my life. It's just making me think that you and Pinky, um, both your first businesses were affected by fires and you learn from the fire. So I'm sure it was yeah. so devastating to lose all the clothes, but like that is how you grow. And had that not happened, it's like, had not, that not happened at Pinky's first restaurant, like where would she be now? It's you have to learn from the fires. And like she said, luckily it happened when your business wasn't 
what it is now and you, yeah. you learn from that. So it won't happen when you've already kind of elevated to the level that you're at. So it's all like learn, you learn from the fires. Like they're almost like necessary as crazy as that sounds. <laughs> you do. It's, it teaches you a pivot and it teaches you how to stay ahead. And not that you'll always do that. I think failure happens multiple times in life and you learn from it. You just realize you can bounce back much quicker. And okay. so there's different things that mold your life. And that was one for me. I realized I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I had to take a quite a few steps back to do it again and again. So yes. And well, you've proven that you've you bounced back. You, you're a three-time entrepreneur. What would you say is the first thing entrepreneurs should know about finance? More therapy in a moment. Now this. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Now back to therapy. Don't purchase more than you can afford. I think that that's one of the things that I see. I work with business owners all day, every day. Mm -hmm. And I see them everything from a startup business all the way to a 30-year-old industry looking to scale or get another location. And um, the biggest successful businesses that I learned from are the ones who scaled from ground zero. And they're looking to scale. I always said, even to Pinky, it's like the food truck that's the most successful is the food, somebody who started in a food tent and branded themselves. And so when you're learning about finance, you want to learn uh, the capacity as to why you're borrowing the money and what that's going to generate you in your business. So a necessity versus an accessory is really what we look at in, in business finance. So if is it needed and is it going to generate income or is it just a big shiny thing that you absolutely wanted that probably won't create any revenue for you? And so that's what we really, really um, teach. And that's one of the forefronts. I always say when you're starting business credit, start by taking your federal tax ID number and tying your phone to it, just your phone bill, your okay. electrical bill, and start building that business credit report because they score you just like they do on your personal credit report. So you have to start somewhere yes. and then scale from there, buy what you can afford and then scale from there because as you buy that, you start growing. And it's just like personal credit. They don't start you off with a $50,000 credit card. They start you off with a $300 credit card. Sometimes it's secured against your bank account. So you have to start somewhere. And, and that's you, where it starts with you know anyone in business. And if you've built up your personal credit and you do sit down with you and you decide it is going to bring in revenue, it is necessary, why should we be financing versus using our personal credit? If our credit is good, why should we be yeah. financing? If any of these questions are like, oh my God, I know nothing <laughs> about, I'd like the marketing side of things, <laughs> not so much the finance. Well, and that's, that's great. I love the questions because the thing is you're doing, I mean, you're, you're running a business right now. And it's one of the things that us as business owners need at the end of the year, every year is we need a tax deduction. We need a tax write-off. We need a tax shelter. And anyone, mostly home-based businesses, where are you getting a tax shelter? You have a home office that you can write off, right? So you're, you're only writing off a portion. So financing for a business is a huge tax shelter. So you're writing off not only that whole asset or the loan, but also the interest on it. 
over the term. So you have more money laid out instead of putting a cash outlay down, you're doing a payment over the term. And I always say, why would you pay for an employee upfront before they start working for you? Why would you pay for a piece of equipment? Even let's say it's podcast equipment, whatever the cash outlay is with that and the lighting and whatnot. Why pay for that before it starts generating revenue? If you can have a cash outlay, build your business credit and have a tax shelter, there are so many things to learn about the business finance side. It doesn't mean that you didn't have the cash to do it, but you can use that cash for something else, another income generating asset. So if you have something else that you're doing, let's say you're a social media influencer as well as you're doing your podcasting, you need to be able to get yourself in front of the people to get the contracts, maybe the travel costs the money. So there's things that you're doing cash outlays for that you don't think about in that realm. You're like, oh, wow, if I didn't just pay $10,000 for this, I could have done another travel to have another contract that generates additional ROI. So we really take a lot of time to be significant with our clients and find out what their growth opportunities are that they're missing. You just blew my mind with that. It brings me to mentorship. Like, should we be investing our finances there in someone that has done the things like you? Yeah, I just, I think it's super important that we, that's, you know, the thing is like, I run a business day to day, but my passion is educating it. You can tell. Because there's no, I'm not here to turn and burn on a deal. I've done that. I've been a salesperson forever, right? But sales doesn't come back to you unless you help them. And they're not going to come back to you if you put them out of business. So you have to educate. And it's so important um, for the younger generation and even the older generation, because we have some in-betweens that understand it. But no, most people know borrow money from your family member, which could be tragic, or <laughs> a bank, which is very boxy. So educate yourself on what your options are. There's so many options out there. I think with mentorship, especially for entrepreneurs, um, it's humbling yourself to ask for help because it's like, yes. speaking for myself, I feel like I'm an entrepreneur. I have to figure it out. I can't be like, well, how do you do it? Cause you figured it out, but who knows if you had a mentor, like just like losing your pride, ask and be like, I don't know how to do this, but I feel like the entrepreneurial hustle is like, I need to hustle and figure it out myself. I can't just ask someone how to get there. So it's like getting over that. That's what it is for me. I wish I asked more questions when I started, because I probably wouldn't have had to write 380 letters to the credit bureaus trying to clean up my credit that I ruined (laughs) at the time. And now I'm like, you know, I look at my credit every day. I'm crazy over it because I know what it did to me at one point in time. But how many people could we save by giving them the education first? Yes. And that's the thing we get. We a lot of times we'll run into entrepreneurs and business owners who are scaling, even if they're a $30 million company or $5,000 company, we don't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter because it's the, they might have the same type of education, but learning from the people who have scaled properly, I ask questions all the time now. Collaboration is the new currency. Collaboration is a new <laughs> currency. Um, while we're talking about entrepreneurs, like putting like all that sweat equity into your business and that hustle that we were just talking about, what do we do when it gets to the point of burnout? Like, how do you recognize like when you're hustle, 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 or it's about to leap to burnout? Or do you have any thoughts on how to avoid burnout when the mindset of an entrepreneur is to go, 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 uh, you know, work until 2 a.m. And that's what you're supposed to do, but you could also burn out. 60% of 100% is enough. I love that saying. My brother told me once, he said, delegate or turn into dad. And I said, huh? (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about? I can do everything. Uh Well, now I have 
all of these employees and every single one of their positions came from my head. And that's because I did all of them. And so my, my gift to anyone is take a little bit of your excess and hire it out because even if it's just someone planning your calendar, 60% of hundred percent is enough to get you to the next level. And what you realize is your time is the most important thing as an entrepreneur. And you, if you have no time and your burnout, I mean, your eyes become dizzy. You're trying to, I mean, for me, I was building everything from the systems and just like right now, I mean, mm-hmm. I have a lot of projects going on. I, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not going to fill you in on all of those because it would take all day, but <laughs> I have to take one thing at a time. And so I always make a list of the top three yeah. and then I create every everything around that vision and mission. And if it doesn't accommodate that mission and vision for those three goals, it doesn't go on my calendar. Ooh. And that's the most important thing for me. It has to be my top goal, second, third, done and anything else I say no to. And so those things, like those are the two things, 60% of a hundred percent. And then, and then definitely taking your goals and don't take everything. Don't say yes to everything. I turned down a series with Meg Ryan that was a host and I, it didn't, it didn't explore my vision and mission. And I was like, how am I saying no to this? This is so amazing. And I thought, I'm so happy. I said no to this because it didn't pertain to my goals. Wow. How did you get to the point when it's your baby, like Coastal Capital is your brand, your business, delegating and just kind of trusting? I would micromanage the shit out of everyone that I, I would just, it's so hard for me to, to delegate. Can you talk me through that? Yeah, me too. I'm type A. Same. So it's very, (laughs) very difficult. Um, I started very slow though. Delegating had to come from one task that was the least favorite task of mine. Okay. And so in the equipment finance business, funding is my least favorite um, because it's a lot of contingencies and organization and the stuff that I don't like to do. I'm a visionary. So I had to teach funding, which was the hardest thing I've ever done. And actually my funder is one of my best friends from college. And we've had four years of, 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 of you know, working together and we have a great, yeah, our relationship is great. But something you can trust to give away that you dislike the most is the first step. And once you have that rolling, you can find the other tasks that you dislike because you start disliking something else because you're one that you dislike the most. That's a needed task is now delegated. And so get rid of the things that help you not have to micromanage once you get rid of it. It's like, it's actually a weight lifted off your shoulder. So start with what you don't like and then- move from there. So many tangible tips already. Um, if anyone listening to this has found themselves in a male dominated industry, like you have, do you have any tips on kind of how you've established respect as a woman in finance? Use your voice. Don't let anyone falter from that. If somebody um, is affected or makes you feel bad about what your beliefs are, remember, it's just an opinion and that opinion should never set your standards on how you feel about yourself. And that's something that I let affect me for a long time, being a woman in the finance industry. And um, using my voice, it's amazing that the respect that you actually get from the men in your organization and and um, not just in your organization, in your industry or in, in a whole, but we have to remember they all have mothers and grandmothers. So 
there is a certain part of respect to dominating your industry and believing in yourself and believing in yourself um, is so, I mean, it's handled from understanding what you're talking about. I mean, educate yourself. If you do something for 18 minutes a day for one year, you become an expert in it. So 18 minutes a day doing one thing is not that many minutes to put into something that you want to be well-versed in. And then you can dominate that topic, you know, over anyone. Even if, and I feel completely um, comfortable and established and knowledgeable in what I speak about, but I feel like women are raised to play small and not step into that power role or you're a bitch. And you could be saying the same thing a man is saying. So it's like, it's kind of delicate how you, you don't want to be seen as a bitch. It doesn't seem like you care. And I don't think anybody sees you as a bitch, but it's like, maybe I'm too much in my head and other women about just gender roles and how we come up to not be braggy or, you know, small playing small and you can't be that way, but it's it's hard to kind of unlearn it. (laughs) It is hard. I mean, everybody has, their superpower that makes them feel good and mine are heels so there's no way i would walk on a stage with flats i would i would i would falter (laughs) there's no way so we all have our little superpower right yeah um but i think really being able to use your voice for the first time and realizing that you're helping other people the people that you're worried about the most are not your fans and they're not the people who are going to carry you to the next level There are the people that you're helping that put you into the mindset that you can do more. And that's why our outreach needs to be more. And that's why doing things like this and being out on social media and on podcasts and things like that, it really creates a different position for you in your voice. And then I feel like you were, you know, you really start gaining that, that inspiration and that confidence. It doesn't just stem from one thing. I mean, we can all be knocked down from saying something stupid in a circle, right? And I've done that a million times. Um, But just using my voice and really, you want to be educated. If you make a mistake, then you're like, wow, I really need to educate myself on that. So use your voice, use it knowledgeably and and use it in in the circles that want to be around your voice. Don't let the people get you down that aren't because the people who are up here they're always going to want to see you succeed. The people down here are going to want to bring you back down to their level. And that's the, that's what you learn over time. I mean, that's trial and error. That's with friendships and things like that. You realize what you want in your life. Do you want people who talk about people or people who talk about vision? And that's where you differentiate the yes and the no. What a beautiful segue of people you have in your life. I heard you on a podcast saying who in your phone has that. It's like, if you want a billion dollars, if you want a million dollars. If you want to be a CEO, who in your phone is that? Like, who are you surrounding yourself with? Absolutely. I always say that to my guys. I'm like, you want to make this kind of income every year? Who in your phone makes that type of income? And if they're not in there, you're in the wrong circle because you can't be a millionaire following a thousandaire. (laughs) So if that's what your goal is, then get yourself in a different circle and you can outgrow your circles all the time. And that's okay. It doesn't mean you don't like your circle, but you can outgrow it. Totally. I'm going to use the last portion of this uh, interview to talk about your recent weight loss. More therapy in a moment. Now this. Guys, I have found the magic. And who would I be to not share the magic with my loyal therapy listeners? I have been using Rejuvalift Beauty, a tightening clay that you tap wherever you need it. I use it on the little 11s between my eyebrows, the bags under my eyes, my crow's feet. You tap it, you sit for four minutes, and the results last for up to seven hours. If you have a girl's night, a work event, a date night, 
Make Rejuvalift the first step in your beauty routine. It goes on before makeup. It lasts for up to seven hours. It is magic. And right now, Therapy listeners get 20% off at rejuvaliftbeauty.com using code Therapy. T-H-E-R-I-N-P-Y, 20% off, rejuvaliftbeauty.com. That's R-E-J-U-V-A-L-I-F-T, beauty.com. You're welcome. Now, back to Therapy. I don't know what sparked this and this weight loss, this recent one, but can you share about growing up and your relationship with food and your body? I would love to. So that's why I... I'm so excited to be on your podcast because your story inspired me more than you would ever believe. And so my journey is so different than yours. Um, I did not have an eating disorder. I was a very, very thin girl. I mean, I graduated college, I think at 97 pounds. Mm. Uh, I was a cheerleader. I was a gymnast. I I did everything possible, um, but I never, ever was heavy. And so no one in my life ever taught me anything about food. Right. I grew up in a big Lebanese family. So as you can imagine, we <laughs> ate a lot of meat and a lot of grape leaves, <laughs> a lot of meat. Like uh, and so I grew up eating, you know, whatever I wanted. I and mean, it didn't matter if it was pizza, lasagna, meat and potatoes, whatever it was. Um, my mother was Southern. So she had a lot of chicken and dumplings and pies and things like that. You know, you grew up with that. I, in college, remember being able to eat a six pack of tacos and the full length sub because I was so athletic that nothing, I couldn't gain any weight. Wow. Last year I was at my heaviest. I was over 200 pounds, which is very on the table and um, hard to even say. Um, but I had not put a scale in front of me in a long time. And so yeah. there were things that happened in my life when I never thought I would gain weight. I never had a problem with food, but right. then I realized that because I never had a problem or was taught how to eat, then we have a million diets out there, right? Fad diets. We have, you know, I mean, I was everything from vegan to pescatarian to you name it. I tried everything because I thought I can't, how am I going to ever lose this weight? I gained 70 pounds over the wow. course of certain less than 10 years. Yeah. Um, but I never really, I no, never noticed until I saw myself on TV. And so the journey really started there. I knew I had gained weight. I didn't want to see my friends. I knew it in my head, but I hadn't really come to terms with it. And so when you're not taught how to eat, you start becoming addicted to certain type of foods. And then you start as a skinny person, then gaining weight, you start getting treated like you are that that person. Mm -hmm. And I think it's more mental because it really is who you are and how you feel about yourself. So my whole journey started with mindset. And I wrote this chapter in a book um, a couple of years ago, and I had to go talk about it on stage. And it's the first time out of my hole from building this company that I had been in front of people. And I hadn't seen my friends. I didn't want to see anyone. I didn't want anybody to even see me on social media outside of my face because I didn't want people that I knew in my life, friends, ex-boyfriends, people like that to see me and judge. Yeah. And so I had to get on stage from this chapter and talk about my life. And I, I just started hysterically crying. And this 11 year old girl grabbed my hands and she said, what, why are you afraid? And I said, I am afraid because of this and this. And she said, people are here to listen to you. 
you're here because of inspiration. You have to get up and own that stage. And I had professional makeup like dripping down my face, you know, <sighs> and I got up on that stage. And the second I grabbed that microphone and started telling my story, everybody in the crowd they were tearing. They were relatable. They yes. weren't judging me because I was heavy. They didn't. And it's funny. I got off that stage and I, I had this dress on that I wore that I thought looked so good at the time. And I had an old friend from uh, California message me on Instagram and tell me how horrible I looked in it. Are you serious? And I, yep, absolutely. Who would and take I thought the time and like effort to like bring somebody down. That is somebody that was triggered yep. because they're sad. Yep. And at that point, I started realizing that my voice changed my mindset on who I was. No one is judging me for this weight. I'm still the girl that I've always been. Yeah. And people were flocking to me. They're like, that dress is so beautiful. This, your speech was so amazing. And I was the first time in my life in all like 10 years that I have felt like myself. Yeah. And I'm like getting teary eyed because it was such an inspiration for me. And at that point, on, I started taking initiative and every day, even though my gym clothes were tight on me and I felt gross in them, I would go for a walk or I started eating things um, that were healthy for my body. Some people have different body types and, and whatnot. People have different needs. I started doing high protein. High protein for me works. I'm an yeah. athletic build. And so yeah. I started also doing some, you know, weights again. I was like, uh, oh, I'm actually enjoying lifting weights. Like I didn't yeah. even know I liked this. So I'm 46 pounds down from that day of going onto that stage. And it wasn't because of fad diet. It wasn't because exactly. of anything other than knowing that I wanted to love myself again and that other people loved me. The judgment came from a story I made up in my head over the time that I let myself gain weight and not take control. And that was my main focus was I didn't really learn how to eat. I've tried all these diets, but me being vegan, so it works for some people. Me being vegan, I turned into a carbitarian because it yeah, got hard exactly. to make all these foods. I'm yep. like, you know, so my weight loss journey was a mindset journey. It was a life-changing journey, but it came with using my voice and helping other people. And that's when I realized my journey in my business needs to change. It's not going to be money-focused and sales-focused. It's going to be help other people. Because when you help other people, you start helping yourself and the whole mentality of your life changes. And yes. so your story for me was so inspirational because I think us as women, we grow up with this society that portrays how we're supposed to look and how we're supposed to act and all these things. And we, and when COVID hit, all of us women that are in the same culture now um, that came out and started using our voices have seen an influx in collaboration currency yes. as well yes. in partnerships in friendships in mentorships and it's like i have changed my complete focus i've changed the way my company works i've changed the pivot there and weight now is falling off of me and now i've become a runner i didn't even know i could run a go girl i was like i can run i started on a 4.2 i don't know if you would call that a run no but it's a run I'm like i walk on a 3.5 i, mean, I could have walked on a 4.2 that's a run What's fascinating is you're the second person. Do you know Kim Gravel? She's on QVC and she has like uh, clothing lines and she's just hilarious, like country Southern woman. She no. lost like 60 pounds and she posted, she just did my show too. And what I saw when she posted a picture, everybody's like, Ozempic or Wagovi or whatever. And she was right, like, right. Everybody like wanted this, it to be like this uh, quick yeah. fix. And she was like, it's not when I changed my mindset, 
and said, I'm going to lose this weight. She's like, I don't even try anymore. It just started falling off. She's like, it's a mindset. And people were like calling bullshit on it. They're like, you're doing something. She was like, for my whole life, I was trying to lose the same 30 pounds. And the the focus was the struggle of losing the 30 pounds. When I just set the mindset and focused on myself and feeling good. And like you said, you you didn't do some fad diet. You started walking, you started eating more protein, but you just have to start. And when you shift your mindset, this is the same thing too. Like I can maintain my weight. I don't try. I really don't even try, but for a while I was, I wasn't trying nearly as hard as how I live my life with restriction and obsession. And all I thought about was losing the weight. I was 20 pounds heavier. And now that I don't focus on that. And I just listen to my body. I eat when I'm hungry. I stop when I'm satisfied. I eat way more. I lift and I just mindful. It's mindful. It it's just, it doesn't have to be that hard. That's what I wrote my first book. I was to the woman working out and not seeing results, restriction and deprivation and obsession is creating stress, cortisol, and it's making you hold on to fat. You have to just be mindful, listen to your body. So many times I would get a cue that I was hungry, but I wouldn't eat because I was saving my calories. It was less calories. I don't even think like I hate, I'm sure it's helpful for some people, but now that on all the menus, the calories are right there. And it's like, I want to get this. And I dealt with all that bulimia and anorexia. I'm like, I don't want, I want to get what I want. I don't even want to see it. And I, again, I get, it could be helpful for people trying to order something right, but I don't obsess about calories. I don't even want to see it. I listen to my body. I order what I want, but I stop eating when I'm satisfied. I walk every day, but it's more like almost like a meditation. Like I walk and I just, it's not, I used to walk and run for PRs and like just abuse my body. And I was heavier because it does stress. It stresses your whole body. And that's, I was doing boxing and then yo, I was going to boxing private lessons, then yoga every single day. And I, I couldn't take a pound off. And it was because of the cortisol it produced from the stress on your activity. And so I went back to a very basic book and it's so funny because I told my cousin about it and she's like, this book says, she's like, this book is so old that it says, take a picture of yourself and get it developed. I was like, well, (laughs) wait, what's the book? I know it's old, but it's body for life. And and, and it, it, it supported my allowance for my daily time frame for what, everything I have going on. I was like, I can work out for 45 minutes, yes. but I don't have to do it obsessively every single day. It's like, I'm doing, you know, every week I do three weight trainings and three high impact cardio, but That's only amazing. 20 minutes to 30 minutes. It's not a crazy obsessive amount. Yes. And so when you realize that it's that easy and you yes. don't have to go absolutely crazy. Your life becomes less stressful and I can still have a cupcake or have whatever. And I don't feel like, oh my gosh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to just, you know, punish myself. You ruined it. So you have to just eat all the cupcakes because, oh, I had a cupcake. (laughs) Everything that you're saying is exactly how I used to live. Cupcakes were off limits. You can't have a cupcake. And if I did, or I had a bite of cake, it was like, well, I blew it. So then I would eat the literally the entire cake because I blew it. There's no rules. You just listen to your body. Like you said, if I didn't have an hour to go on a elliptical, I'd be like, I didn't have time to work out. You don't need an hour. Right. You need 20 minutes. You can go for a walk, do something quick. It's not as hard as you're making it. And I know that it doesn't sound right, but the more you and I can like share these conversations that it's not what we've been taught. It's not punishing no. yourself and starving yourself. Cause when you do that, your metabolism shuts off off and stops working for you. So you're not going to, your metabolism is not going to hundred percent. 
burn because it doesn't know if food is coming back in. And for me, it didn't know if I was going to throw up the food. So once your body trusts that you're yeah. going to fuel it, you're not going to completely kill it in the gym. It kind of just goes to a set point that you can maintain with not a lot of effort. More therapy in a moment. Now this. Now back to therapy. That was a mindset journey. So it wasn't totally. every day me taking, showing up for myself. And what I love that you said about the walk is it's not about, it's more meditation. It's yes. the endorphins that yes. you start creating that become obsessive. It's like, I want to do this. And so when I do things with my girlfriends now, I'm like, do you want to have an active fun day? Like if we're yes. going to go out and have a margarita, we're going to go <laughs> you walk. Can, it, you know, you, but you can, because if you say no margaritas and yeah. that's back to that restrictive lifestyle, I'm saying that it now is. I have to on what's today, the 24th, as I'm recording this, I am 24 days alcohol free. I have never done that in my January. entire January. But I, I'm I'm committed to January, Courtney, because I'm going to do an episode, a solo episode about how it went, what I learned, what was the hardest parts. But honestly, I don't like, I kept telling my sister, I was like, I just want to have a beer so it's over. I don't like the 30 days. I just, when I want to get to a point, I'm going to do the 30 days. But when I go out, I can have a cocktail. And that's what I want my lifestyle to be. Yeah. What it had become admittedly was everyday drinking. I was drinking a beer yeah. or two or a glass of wine or two every day with meals. And it was just habit. So I have broken that habit in these 24 days, but I don't want to get to a point. I want to be able to go out and have a cocktail. And yeah. I just don't want it to be a daily thing. And that's, and I don't know, it has to be what works for you. And I'm sure that like the sober mom community is going to be like, you have 30 days. Why would you start over? It's what works for you and is is manageable for you. It does. And if you know you, you can you have, have to it, do what works for you. It's not as hard. Like you said, you're not a vegan. It's just not, that's not yeah. your thing. You're high protein. You have to yeah. find what works and for it's, you. And it's it is. It's 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 an amazing journey. Like I I do, you know, it's funny. I I did as many days as I could dry. My husband had a bad boating accident and he had um it's a long story, but he had a lot of medical, he almost lost his leg, almost Recently? lost his life. And no, this is a, a while ago, but he had I had to quit drinking because he was on all this medicine. So I was like, I'm not really, I realized that I only really drank because he wanted to when we went out. And so wow. I've cut it out during the week unless it's planned. So if it's planned, like a girlfriend night or yes. a family event, I will go out and have my one or two drinks. But if yes. it's not planned, I don't drink during the week at all. Um, and then I am a weekend warrior. I like to have fun. I'm going to mix yes. up my life because that's what works for me. But a lot of friends have done dry January. A lot of friends have stopped. And, you know, the thing is, it's what works for each individual person. And we're made up differently. We're different people. And so, um, but mindset has to be all of it. And it doesn't mean you have to restrict yourself from everything in your life. I mean, if you don't have a little fun, what was a, the life worth living? Well, Courtney, your squats and margarita, it's a balance. Yeah. You work out, but you can <laughs> enjoy yourself and have a cocktail when it's off limits. You just want it more. It's like what? Yeah, I can't live. I think with my eating disorder past, you can't, I can't be off limits. I, just, I don't have it in the house. And the thing yeah. is like, I didn't have a weight loss. Everybody's like, oh, you're going to lose weight. Cause you don't, I found non-alcoholic IPAs. <laughs> so I still drink the calories. So did that's what I needed to not drink alcohol. I need it. I, it was so yeah. much of a pairing thing with my food that it would, I always wanted a beer with my meal or it, I cannot find a wine, a non-alcoholic wine that tastes anything like wine, but you know, there are two brands of non-alcoholic IPAs. That I, I wouldn't know the alcohol is not there. So I'm still getting the calories, but it's what I need to do to not feel deprived. I want to be able to I, I yeah. get back to a point, like you said, I don't have it in the house, so it's not every day. But if I go to a wedding or if I go out with the girls, have a cocktail or two. I don't binge drink. I don't want to do that to my body, but I don't right. think I'm meant to be sober, which I know is where everybody's like trending to now. I don't think that would work for me. 
And I do enjoy a cocktail. I love the taste of a cocktail. I don't want to deprive myself and I do it responsibly. And now I don't drink every day. So that's where I'm going to stay. That's, I I think it's so important. I I love it. I love that journey. And, um, that's the thing. Like once I started taking care of myself, I only have, I have to go at four 30 in the morning to the gym and I've set my time to go every day. And this is wow. my schedule four thirty-five, And I'm like, I can't drink I, oh, yeah, on the weekdays true. because then I will never make it to the gym because the, you don't want to feel that way, but then you can set yourself up to eat early. I mean, for me, eating early was my biggest thing. My husband was a late night eater. I would make healthy food. I would, I, I would make salmon or whatever. And then pizza would be at my door two hours later. And so that was something that we had to create together as a, you eat pizza in the garage right now, (laughs) because we're going to have a problem with this, but we, we, I mean, we got it under order and you know, it's funny. We, you have to make small changes to make big changes, but it's mindset. It's really mindset. Now you can have pizza in the house and I actually don't care to even look at it because I know how hard it took, you know, for me to get to where I am now. And I'm like, I don't actually crave it anymore. When you have your mindset, you you take what works for you. And like, I will say, if it was a cupcake, I would not say no. Yeah, and you should, <laughs> nor should you, bag. but you can have a yeah. cupcake. You don't need to have yes. 10. And before exactly. it would just turn into a binge because it was an off limit food. If everything is yep. allowed, it's less enticing. It's not like, oh, it is. or I would like have drinking days and be like, there's a half a bottle of wine in the fridge. I got to drink it because tomorrow's not a drinking day. There was so much rules and order. And I just, you just have to listen to your body and be mindful. You made me think too, when you're like, you can't drink. If you get up at four in the morning, what I've noticed in these 24 days is like, I would have a glass of wine or two at night as a mom of young kids, mine are five and eight. I can't count on a good night's sleep. It's like, sometimes I'll go to bed and then it like one, it's like mom and they come in and they're on top of me. And if I had been drinking or, and then not sleeping, it would have been miserable. So it's like, you have to plan like you're going to the gym in the morning. They don't drink if you're a mom, because you don't know what could happen. You can't depend on a good night's sleep afterwards. So, and I wasn't thinking that before I had to realize it. Right. Thank God I'm not hungover or something like, because menopause. I mean, I'm sorry, but menopause sticks in there too. I'm telling you what, you have a glass of wine and then you try to go to sleep with menopause. You're not sleeping. Yes. (laughs) No one wants to talk about that either. I want to talk about (laughs) perimenopause because I am sure that I'm in it. And I'm 42 and I know it sounds young, but my mom was the same age. And she was like, don't you remember? Like when I was 42, you were 16 or 17 and we were both, it was like hormones for both of us. And just, I'm yelling at everybody all the time. And I've talked to doctors. They're like, it's a little early for that. I'm like, something's happening to me with my hormones. And my mom said it was the same time for her. I did too at four. I, I, early, early forties. I'm I'm full blown at 47 and I'm there. Yeah. It's legit. Jet and it's <laughs> hell. <laughs> I will say that is oh. not fun, but um, you know that's that's also uh, something that you know they, they you can put a man on the moon, but you can't cure a hot flash. I right. just don't get it. We have hit on so many different topics, so many gems in this I episode. Love it. What is um coming next for you that you can tease? Well, I have a new show coming out on New York Stock Exchange and Nasdaq. Oh, no big deal. Called it will be called Courtney on Capital, and we're going to talk everything money. Um, with women entrepreneurship, capital raising. Yeah, it's exciting. So that's one of the, one of the exciting things. And then, um, my company, actually, I would say my company, but I, the last year have been working on, um, uh, positioning myself. We just opened our first investment fund. We were doing a hundred million dollar capital raise to help women in business. Um, and also help, uh, people for, we, we like to call 
put the human factor back into lending, stop creating a score around our underwriting process. And so as soon as we actually fully launch this thing, we've launched the social media aspect of it, but we're still finishing the portal, but um, the launch uh, will be good and open for all accredited investors. So two big, big steps for me this year. And look, you're going into, it was like, you got yourself together, your mindset, your body, and now this, and now you're going into it feeling totally confident and everything like aligned for you. If anybody wants to work with your company or just follow you, where all the places people can find you? Um, Well, my Instagram's kind of funny because it's my clo- old clothing store and my uh, my name. So it's Chaos Court, but it's K-A-O-S-K-O-R-T. And so um, that's my Insta. And my company is Coastal Capital, but capital is with a K. And so you can find us anywhere. We're all over. I think our um, TikTok page is Rhino Lender because my mascot is a rhino. Only walk forward, (laughs) thick skin, can't walk backwards. And so um, (laughs) I love it. You know, we've created this little, you know, thing here and branded ourselves. But Coastal Capital, Courtney Murray, um, I'm Courtney with a K. We're not looking for sales. We're just looking for people who want to be educated. And if they need something, we'll educate them through and help them get the money that they need to expand. I truly can't wait to see what you do next. Oh, thank you. I just love you. I can't wait to come back to Atlanta and see you. If you are not subscribed to Therapy with Aaron Washington, please hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this. Please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts so that more people can find it. And thank you for listening and being along on this journey with me. If you have any subjects that you want me to talk about, Follow me on Instagram at I am Aaron Washington. Follow the show at Therapy with Aaron Washington. And I will see you next week for more Therapy.